Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Previously on Murder on the Space Coast, where is Brandy Hall? Your wife knew about it? She knew that we were very good friends. And, of course, she had the intuition to know that it was getting way too close, (laughs) way too much. Mm -hmm. And uh, she didn't know that I'd actually, you know, had the... See, my wife called it an affair anyway, so I have to, you know, that, that whole relationship. When she got arrested, that was just so devastating. Every, everybody was crying. I saw Jeff crying when, he, when she got arrested. We were all crying, but, you know, and then she's like, Mom, I can't lose my job. She just, I just felt so bad for her. I'm news columnist John A. Torres, and welcome back to Murder on the Space Coast, Where is Brandy Hall? Over the first four episodes, we met Sid Liddell, a retired Palm Bay detective who initially took on this cold case as a kind of retirement project. It's become more, so much more. It's practically an obsession for Sid, who spends his time hanging Brandy Hall missing signs, interviewing her friends and acquaintances, and trying to exhaust every possible lead. Sid used to be able to share his passion for the Brandy Hall case with his wife, Sue. She knew almost as much about it as he did. But with her passing just after Christmas 2016, Sid now is alone as he sifts through the interviews, trying to find another lead, another spark that might finally bring this case in from the cold. His home just isn't the same when I go and visit. His wife's spark and enthusiasm is clearly missing. Still, Sid is determined to find answers for Brandy Hall's family. Brandy Hall, as we learned, was a tough country girl, a tomboy who could outshoot and outfish most guys, a mother of two, a wife, a daughter, and a firefighter in the city of Palm Bay. She was also tough, and Sid learned that she used to carry a gun and was known to be a very good shot. Her husband, an extremely accomplished firefighter in his own right, got into some trouble when he retired. He and a friend started a marijuana grow operation. Jeff Hall says it was crazy, but he was enchanted by the excitement and the danger of it for a while. But it had serious consequences for him and for Brandy when police found out. We learned that Brandy also was arrested and lost her job. Charges against her would eventually be dropped, and she was fighting to win her job back. In order to keep up with her firefighting requirements, she worked as a volunteer firefighter in the neighboring town of Malabar. We know that while Brandy was furious at her husband over the 2005 arrest, 
Their marriage had been in trouble much longer than that. She had been having an extramarital affair with Palm Bay Fire Captain Randall Richmond for several years. In fact, he was the last phone call Brandy made shortly after 11 p.m. the night of August 17, 2006, when after leaving the Malabar Fire Station, she seemingly vanished forever. Brandy and Randall, it seems, used to call each other quite often. You talk to her on average, you talk to her text messenger uh, 52 times a day. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. They ran that. Yeah. All, all this stuff in here, all the telephone records, and a lot of the things that I asked you in here I already knew the answers to. That was Florida Department of Law Enforcement agent Wayne Ivey, before he became sheriff here in Brevard County, talking to Richmond. Anyway, back to the hot, muggy night of August 17, 2006. Brandy leaves the fire station, makes the phone call to Randall, and then poof, she's gone. The following morning, her husband Jeff starts calling her. When she doesn't answer, he calls their friends trying to track his wife down. He was expecting her at his sentencing hearing later that day in an Osceola County courtroom, where he would learn how much prison time he would have to serve for the marijuana grow house. The time for the hearing had changed, being moved to earlier in the day, and he wanted to make sure Brandy knew. He was more than worried when he couldn't reach her. So I was in a panic, so I tried to call Brandy that morning. She didn't answer the phone, tried to call it unlikely. You know, it's unlike her, because she had two phones, had a Netstill and an AT&T. Then I called the fire station, and they said that you know, she had left last night, she was sick. And I started freaking out, so I started calling everybody. So Jeff drops the kids off at a friend's house and keeps calling as he drives to the courthouse. He even calls Randall Richmond because he knows his wife and Randall are close. How close? Well, he has no idea. I asked him, I said, you talked to Brandy? Because no, I haven't talked to her. I didn't, you know, I haven't talked, they even talked to her yesterday, is what he told me. I haven't talked to her. I haven't talked to her. I said, okay, that's kind of weird because I can't get a hold of her, you know, and, and you know, everybody's calling now. We're calling everybody. Jeff arrives at the courthouse and everyone is asking the same question. Where's Brandy? Here's Jeff's attorney, Kepler Funk. And Jeff, I think, was panicked and worried, too, because we were all expecting her to be there. Yeah, yeah. So it was, very, it was a shock and surprise. She's not there um, to support, of course, my focus is Jeff, right, and, and minimizing the damage in his life standing before a judge for that serious a case for sentencing, right? Jeff wasn't the only one who was panicked. Here is Brandy's mother, Debbie Rogie, replaying that morning. We went up to the courthouse and we're all sitting around and everybody was there and Brandy wasn't there. I'm like, well, where is she at? And I just felt like something wasn't right. It's like, okay, where is she at? So she didn't show up. She didn't show up. So anyway, she wasn't there. I knew something wasn't right. It's like, well, we got to go find her or something or what if she... You know, what if she got in a wreck or something? It's like, where's she at? But I wouldn't like her. She just, she would have been there. And so anyway, after we had, they had to all go into court. So once court was over with, I, we went straight to a friend's house in Melbourne and started trying to go find out where Brandy was at. At about that same time, roughly 12 hours after anyone last heard from Brandy, the mystery would deepen when an angler, 
trying his luck at a secluded pond in Palm Bay, reels in something unexpected. Donald Watson, the head of grounds and maintenance of all the Brevard Community College properties, that is, before it was known as Eastern Florida State College, was fishing at a pond on the school's property on Friday afternoon, August 18, 2006. A pond on Treeland Boulevard and San Filippo Drive that was and remains kind of off the beaten path. A pond that not many in the area even knew existed, according to police. His catch of the day was, well, let's just say it was pretty unexpected. Around noon, a gentleman's fishing over by Eastern Florida State College and his fishing line snags uh, what it turns out to be some bunker gear from firefighter, takes it over to the Palm Bay Fire Department that has a station right there on San Filippo, just maybe two, three hundred yards north of there. Says, hey, I found this. Well, they see the name and then it says Malabar Volunteer Fire Department. So they start spending some time searching the area, approximately two to three hours before they go, hey, we probably want to call law enforcement. So then the police department gets notified and that's when we start searching. That was Palm Bay Police Detective Mike Pusatier, who has overseen the Brandy Hall case for many years now. Along with her bunker gear, Brandy's cooler with a few cans of beer and a few sodas, still cool to the touch, were found floating as well. Once police arrived on the scene, they learned that Brandy's husband, Jeff Hall, had been trying to find her all morning. They learned that Brandy did not show up at home, nor did she make it to her husband's crucial court appearance. Crime scene investigator John Hollister was among the first on the scene. The feeling was that Brandy's gear was not all they would be recovering from the water that day. Here he is. When I arrived on scene, I spoke with Corporal Jello, who advised that the fire department had found an area on the west side of the lake where it appeared that a vehicle had gone into the water. Uh, they surmised from a cooler that was floating in the lake and also the bunker gear that the firefighter's vehicle may have gone into the water. Whenever we have a scene that is a potential crime scene that we need to restrict the access to that, um, we will rope it off as a, a crime scene using yellow crime scene tape. Um, at that point, someone is assigned to that scene and documents anybody's comings and goings out of that scene, who they are, what time they came in, what time they left, what they're doing there. When the vehicle is recovered out of the water, we have no idea what has gone on in or around this vehicle. All we know is that a vehicle has gone into the water. We don't know why. We don't know whether it's an accident. We don't know whether it's an attempt to conceal a stolen vehicle. We don't know whether it's a suicide, a homicide. Could Brandy's truck, her pride and joy, be in the pond? One of the fears her family had was that Brandy might have been in an accident, that she might have run off the road and hurt herself. Remember, she suffered from excruciating and paralyzing headaches as the result of a head injury from the childhood ATV accident. Here is her mother once more. I've come up to the stop sign. That's whenever I met one of her friends. She got out of the car and come running to me, and she said, they just found Brandy's truck. They just pulled Brandy's truck out of the pond. So I'm like, what? And so we went over to the fire station, and that's when we learned what was going on. What was going on? Well, it was Brandy Hall's treasured truck, her dark green 2002 Chevy Silverado that was easily recognizable to many in the area, including Officer Jasmine Campbell, who spotted it close to midnight the night Brandy disappeared, parked behind Home Depot. Now, Brandy's truck was submerged in the one-acre, 20-foot-deep 
pond. Everyone has told me that that pond is one that not many people know about in this secluded area, but that Brandy would often go there with Randall Richmond, her lover. So, 11 years after she went missing, I drove out to Palm Bay to see if I could find it. And sure enough, even though I was at the right location, I couldn't find it on my own. Finally, I called Sid Liddell to come and show me the way. He arrived 10 minutes later in his silver avalanche pickup truck, and we drove right through the brush and into the woods to the pond's edge. I would never have found it without him. Well, see, so you, you really have to know that there's a pond back here. You don't she see knew it? because when she worked for uh, uh, St. John's Water Management, yeah. this is a training area, aquatic weeds and shit like that. And the fire academy's right there, so like all the firefighters kind of know about it, right? I mean, Most of them do, yeah, because yeah. if they get in a fix, they can come over here and, and draw water out. Right. And the helicopters do it, too. Here's where her truck went in, right here? This, yeah, none of this brush was here. There was one tree about there, and it was bent over at an angle like that. And apparently the guys that saw that came down here, it dawned on, oh, I wonder why that tree is skinned up like that. So, ah, bang, you know. And the, the truck was right out there. Helicopter flew over, and it was shallow enough to where the helicopter could see what was in there. Now, according to numerous people interviewed by Sid, the pond was a place where Brandy and Randall would go together. It appeared to be common knowledge. The pond is right across the street from the fire training academy, and apparently a lot of firefighters know about it. Now remember, while this is going on, Jeff Hall had been in Osceola County for his crucial court appearance. He would be sentenced to 18 months in prison, but the judge agreed to let him bond out while his attorneys appealed the legality of the initial search on Hall's property. So Jeff spent most of that Friday in a holding cell at the Osceola County Jail waiting to be bonded out. After a while, he looked up at the television and, well, he saw his wife's truck. Yeah, I'm in a you know, general population holding cell, you know, still in my <coughs> clothes from court and stuff like that. And I saw them pulling Brandy's truck out and they started talking about me on TV and then they came and got me and put me in another, you know, room and then they put my co-defendant in the room with me, you know. So, yeah, I saw it breaking on TV and then when I started making phone calls, you know, I was calling my mom and they were crying and, you know, and then we started talking. She goes, what's going on, Jeff? I said, no, you need to tell me. I see, I can't hear it, but I can see it. Oh, so you couldn't hear what was going on? I couldn't hear what was going on. I know they had my name flashing on TV. And, you know, so you must have been freaking out. Like, I was freaking the hell out, yes. You know, like maybe you and then, ran off the road or something? And then within 15 minutes, it was like every five minutes, you know, they come in and the media request, media request, no, 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 no. You know, because I'm knowing now, I'm putting two to two together where, you know, you got the truck backing up, you got the door open up, water's coming out, and they're, you know, yeah, the little scrollers on the bottom you're trying to read, and they got my name plastered all over TV and stuff like that. So, yeah, I'm freaking out. And then everybody's saying, oh, okay, well, this is this dude right here. Oh. You know, so, yeah, it's, it's kind of freaky. Word spread kind of quickly through Palm Bay and Malabar, and the search was on. Here is our old friend. You've heard him on seasons one and two of Murder on the Space Coast. Retired FDLE agent Tom Davis, who was initially called in to assist. All right, Tom, so we're talking about Brandy Hall, uh -huh. and 
No surprise to me or to our listeners, you got involved in this case. <laughs> it seems, was there a major case in Brevard County that you were not part of? Uh, right, not many. <laughs> it's unreal. Not always welcome, but Right, involved. of course, and it's always bad news. You know, when, when you see Tom Davis on the scene, you know something bad has probably happened to somebody. Seems that way. I believe it was uh, one of the commanders at the Palm Bay Police Department had requested my assistance uh, via my supervisor, then uh, Wayne Ivey, now Sheriff Wayne Ivey. Uh, I responded to the Palm Bay Police Department, was briefed uh, about uh, Brandy Hall's disappearance, the truck with the blood, um, a basic overview of the case. Oh yeah, I almost forgot. The blood. We'll get back to Tom's involvement later on. So when Brandy's truck was finally pulled from the pond, the crime scene folks found blood in the driver's side map pocket and just under the steering wheel. What makes the blood find even more interesting is that the windows of the truck had been left open and the cab filled with water. That led many to believe that the amount of blood had to one, be significant, and two, that it was allowed to dry before coming into contact with the water. And that was the little nugget that caused retired Detective Sid Liddell to maybe start rethinking the timeline of events in Brandy Hall's disappearance. In looking at the photographs, I never got to see the truck. There was a big clot of blood directly underneath the steering wheel and a bit to the left over toward the door. And that got me curious and, and, and uh, we called around and we were told that if that truck had went in the water immediately, um, the blood wouldn't be there. But it, it's, the truck sat out long enough for that to coagulate. And when it went into the water, 15 feet of water, um, it, st- it stayed there, it did not melt. That, that told me something there. So he's saying that after the blood was spilled, that the truck sat out for hours before going into the water. Also, there must have been a pretty fair amount of blood because people started to speculate on whether it would be enough to cause death. Here is Sid's partner, Doc Jones. It appears to me that the truck sat on dry land at least six or eight hours at that is based on blood inside the cab that wasn't washed away when the truck was underwater. It had to dry. Okay, blood doesn't dry in 15 minutes. Right. So how long does it take? Best estimate is five, six, seven hours. And there was enough blood on the inside of the door panel uh, to show that it was there. That means to me, well, nobody else has said this, but that means to me that the truck sat on dry land several hours before going underwater, okay? Where's her body? I don't know. It's funny how Doc and Sid are so different. Doc Jones is as guarded in what he reveals as Sid is animated and open about the same things. One thing I will say about Doc Jones, though, is that we've sort of started an interesting relationship ourselves based on our love of good gin. He has great taste and introduced me to the virtues of drinking Boodle's Gin, though I am typically a sapphire man. Anyway, back to the case. And just as interesting to Doc is what wasn't found in the truck. As mentioned earlier, just about everyone knew that Brandy carried a gun. 
She never went anywhere without it, and she would keep it in her truck. Interesting thing was she carried a gun, I don't know in her pocket or not, but in the truck. It was not found. Other than the blood in the truck, I didn't see anything that would indicate. I've seen head wounds where the bullet goes in one side and comes out the other, and there's brain and bone and shit everywhere, okay? I didn't see that in this, in this, in this instance. A lot of blood, and the head wounds are notorious for making a lot of blood, okay? I think most of that is the fact that the head wound is not always instantaneous death, and the heart keeps pumping until it runs out of pump juice, okay? And that generates blood everywhere. Lots of it. One last word on the blood for now. It was collected and the DNA tested. When the results came back, there was no doubt. It was Brandy's. Here's Detective Mike Pusatier. One of the windows was down. I believe it was the back passenger window was down. Um, so when the water comes in, it would have had like a wash tub effect. I mean, there was some blood found in the truck um, that we had tested for DNA and it was tested positive to her parents' biological daughter and they only had her, so it wasn't like a sister or somebody else. It was her blood. Now, I must note that somewhere in the case file, there was apparently a note claiming Jeff Hall said that Brandy was drawing her own blood and storing it. But when asked by Sid about it, Jeff denied ever making that statement. So back to the pond, where Brandy's truck is pulled from the water and her blood is found on the driver's side. A dive team prepares to enter the murky waters on the grim mission of trying to find Brandy's body. Because of how the lake sits, sort of L-shaped, they decided to also drain half of the lake into the other side and search the mud. Here is now retired Lieutenant Joe Eakins from that search. So when we pulled the truck out, we checked the vehicle. We're not finding uh, anybody in the vehicle. It wasn't a stolen vehicle, so we were concerned with suicide, homicide. Uh, so at that particular point, given the characteristics of the lake, and the nature of the investigation itself, we decided uh, we wanted to be 100%. She wasn't in and around that lake where we may have missed something uh, because, again, the conditions were they were deep and it was dark. So we decided at that point we would try to figure out a way to drain the lake. We had public works come out. They built a dam. We were able to block that off. And then we were able to pump out the water. It took about two days to get the, the lake completely drained. And at that point, we confirmed that she was nowhere in that particular search area we were looking. We're looking for anything, anything that's out of the ordinary, anything that's suspicious. We won't overlook anything. Crews basically worked around the clock, also searching the wooded area around the pond for anything, any clue that would help find Brandy. Again, here is CSI John Hollister from that search. We ended up looking through the vehicle to assure that there wasn't any weapons, any cartridge casings, um, or any other evidence of what had occurred with or around this vehicle. Once the vehicle was recovered from the lake, um, we ended up having to search the entire wooded area for any sort of evidence. Once the dive team had drained the entire lake of water, uh, they began a meticulous search of the bottom of it for any sort of evidence which may have come out of the vehicle previous to its being recovered or have been thrown into the, to the lake. We were working that crime scene basically from dawn to dusk. 
we don't know what happened at this point. We don't know where it occurred. We don't know where Brandy is, alive or dead. It's been 11 years and counting since the firefighter, wife and mother of two, said goodbye to her co-workers at the Malabar Fire Station on Thursday night, August 17th, 2006, and drove away. The courts declared her dead in 2015. Yet her family is no closer to peace and closure than when this whole ordeal started. So the question remains, after all these years, where is Brandy Hall? Could she have run away, as you'll hear Brandy's lover Randall Richmond suggest? Was she killed, and if so, by who? Her husband, with whom she had a rocky relationship and who was due to be sentenced the very next day? Well, early on, he was a top suspect. Or by her lover? The man with whom she called or texted on average 52 times a day? Or was her death somehow connected to money she borrowed? Or the drug operation her husband was in trouble for? Or maybe someone else wanted her gone? The frustrating thing for retired detective Sid Liddell is that he thinks he's pretty sure he knows what happened to Brandy. And he thinks he knows who was responsible. But he just can't prove it. Yet. Next time on Murder on the Space Coast, Where is Brandy Hall? The search for the missing firefighter and mother of two intensifies as two possible suspects emerge. It was immediate. Yeah, as soon as I opened the email, like, why are you saying these when you already know where this person is? Because you did it. Oh, boy. And so she tells you she's leaving and for you to, to get rid of the phone. She said that she was waiting on money. All right, where are you getting money? Who are you getting money from? Which was never answered. Everything was always, I'm just getting money. I'm waiting on money. You know, how much money? She wouldn't say. Well, where are you going? I'm leaving. Where are you? You can't leave. Where are you going? You got your kids. You got this thing with court, you know. What are you talking about leaving? Well, she, nothing was ever answered. Nothing was ever very clear. When you hung up the phone with her, when you hung up the phone with her, and she said, I'm leaving, I'm getting money, everything. How did you feel? I felt confused. Let me ask you this. Where is she getting all this? I felt let let down that she wasn't. Without without any hesitation from you. Are you in love with her? If you have any information as to Brandy Hall's whereabouts, please call 1 800 423 TIPS. That's 1 800 423 8477. Calls are anonymous and are not recorded. To subscribe to Florida Today, please visit floridatoday.com forward slash WMO. For now, I'm news columnist John A. Torres, and you can follow me on Twitter at John Albert Torres. That's at J-O-H-N-A-L-B-E-R-T-O-R-R-E-S. And for more information on these cases and web exclusives, please go to whereisbrandyhall.com. Murder on the Space Coast is written and narrated by me, John A. Torres. The producer is Rob Landers, and the editor is Mara Bellaby. Thank you for listening to Murder on the Space Coast, brought to you by Florida Today, a part of the USA Today Network.